0: Our scripture today is going to come from the book of Philemon. And I was thinking about since you are at home, sitting in the comfortable chairs that you have, probably with a cup of coffee, I'm going to read to you the entire book of Philemon. Now before you panic, because I know God has given to you, in this time the spiritual gift of fast-forwarding, I will tell you Philemon, the New Testament book, is only one chapter... With only 25 verses. It's a letter that Paul is writing to a co-worker. Philemon. Hear these words from the Apostle Paul. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker. To Aphea, our sister. To Archippus, our fellow soldier and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when You perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love, and I, Paul, do this as an old man, And now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I'm appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed both useful to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about you owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. One thing more, prepare a guest room for me. For I'm hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greeting to you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word. And for this opportunity to study it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message. And not my own, through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I love it when people come up to you and start showering you with compliments. Now it's great to receive a compliment when someone comes up and thanks you for something or tells you that you did a good job, but you can always tell when someone comes up to you and they start showering with you with more compliments than normal that something's coming, there's going to be a request. Even your children figure that out at a young age. They crawl up on our laps and They give us a big old hug and they start telling us how much they love us and and how great we are. And and then you start asking yourself the question, what did they do? What do they want? You just kind of know when it's a little bit much. You kind of get that feeling when you hear Paul write this letter to Philemon. N.T. Wright is an amazing biblical scholar. One of the things I love about studying in T. Wright is uh, he is a Pauline scholar. He loves the Apostle Paul. But he tells you that when you study one of Paul's letters, it's kind of like listening to one side of a telephone conversation. You get the gist of what's happening, but you really don't have all the details. You're pretty much getting one side of the conversation. Paul is writing a letter to Philemon here. Philemon is a a friend, a co-worker, someone that Paul trusted. We don't have all the details, but we get the glimpse. We get the gist of what's happening. So Paul is writing from prison. Once again, he's in prison for his faith, for proclaiming the gospel, and he gets a visit. An unexpected visitor comes to see him. The visitor's name is Onesimus. And Onesimus has a relationship with Paul's friend Philemon. But the relationship is not what you may expect. Onesimus, it appears, is a slave. And in particular, a runaway slave. Slavery in biblical times is a little different than what we often immediately think of when we think of slavery. In biblical times, someone could become a slave pretty quickly. For example, you may have been a noble person in your village and in your community, but if a conquering army comes in, then all of a sudden you may be captured and you may become a slave. You may have been a prominent citizen and one day a slave on the next. Or sometimes it may be that you were serving in the army or serving in the military and and the battle goes on, but the victor gets the spoils, so the victor can oftentimes take the defeated army and turn them into slaves. Sometimes people would become a slave because they were in debt. For some reason they may not be able to pay back what they owe and as a result they become a slave to the one whom they're indebted. And they may be enslaved until they're able to pay back their debt. There are a variety of reasons. We're not told exactly what caused Onesimus to be a slave, but he is. And if he's a runaway slave it's even worse. Because that would mean, in all probability, there's a price on his head. It it could mean that just being with Paul could jeopardize Paul as well. But Paul loves this guy. He actually leads him to become a Christian, leads him to faith in Christ. And so Paul decides to write a letter to Philemon on Onesimus' behalf. It's It's a personal letter. When you read Philemon, read it as a letter from an individual to an individual. It's not like Paul's letters to the churches when he's writing a sermon that someone else will get up and read. This was an intimate, personal letter from a pastor to a friend, a pastor to a church leader who actually had a church meeting in his home. So Paul writes the letter. Now Paul is a gifted rhetorician. That means that Paul has the ability to put together an argument, to put together a case. He's been trained on how to do that and you see him working masterfully here for Philemon. He has no clue how set up he's going to be before he's right there in Paul's hands. Paul is writing a letter about Onesimus. This isn't simply about how do we reconcile a broken relationship. Paul's really working with a social system here. He's actually saying, I want to throw out all the norms of society because we're Christians. And we see people differently as Christians. We treat people differently differently. Paul begins with his typical greeting. Normally a letter would have a greeting to it. So he writes a greeting and and then he begins laying his foundation. He says, I always thank God because of your love for all the saints. What Philemon just doesn't know at this point in reading the letter is Paul's about to give him the name of a saint he needs to love. I thank God for you because of your love for all the saints and your faith toward our Lord Jesus. He even calls him my brother. Ah, Philemon, we, there's an intimacy between us. I, I love you, brother. And there's the setup. Here's the foundation. We have this amazing relationship. You have this incredible faith in God. You have this amazing love for all the saints I do have a favor to ask. I, I do have a request. And then I love the way Paul says, now I, I actually could just tell you to do this. I could use my authority and go do this and command it, but I won't do that. I want to ask you, I want you to do this freely of your own accord rather than me making you do that. So, you know, brother, I hope this will come from your heart. Paul sometimes has a little issue with humility he, he knows that he has the ability to command and say things. And then Paul said, Philemon, I'm actually writing to you on behalf of Onesimus. I, I'm a very visual person. I've tried to imagine Philemon sitting there reading this letter that comes from Paul. And all of a sudden he hears the name of his runaway slave. I'm writing on behalf of Onesimus, I wonder what kind of reaction that evoked from him. Oh, I wondered where he was. I was worried about him or I am so mad at that guy. We don't really know. But Paul writes to him and says, I'm writing on behalf of Onesimus who is my child. I've become like a father to him while I've been in prison. Now that's important to know. Paul had a lot of co-workers that we read about. He mentions them in his various letters. But it's only Timothy and Onesimus that Paul refers to as his children, as being their spiritual father, their mentor, meaning, I've taken them under my wing. They belong to me, to my heart. Paul has a love for Onesimus. This is not just a favor to somebody who asks for a favor. At this point, Paul really cares about him. Paul says, you know, normally or formally, Onesimus was useless to you, but now he's useful to you and and to me. Now, what we may not catch from that is that's a play on words because the word Onesimus means useful. So the very name means useful. So Paul is saying, now before he was useless to you, but now he is his namesake. He's useful both to you and to me. So I'm sending him back to you. I'm actually sending back to you my own heart because I love this guy. And I'm sending you my heart. I would love for him to be able to stay here with me so that he could serve with me in the gospel especially while i'm bound here in prison but i'm not going to do that i i want it to be with your consent and paul says you know maybe that's why all this happened anyway is so that he could come here and we could build this relationship and i can send him back to you and you'll receive him differently not as a slave but as a brother as a Christian brother, when he comes back to you, I hope you'll see him differently because in our love for all the saints, he's now one of them. This is a this is a Christian brother. Actually, Paul's hoping that Philemon will set him free. Forgive him. And Paul even says, as a matter of fact, if, if he's wronged you in some way, if he owes you something, then... Put that on my account. I'll pay for it. As a matter of fact, Paul says I'm writing this in my own handwriting. Back in biblical times, often when someone was going to write a letter or write a book, like a book of the Bible, a longer letter, they would actually use someone like an assistant or a secretary who who would be able to take the notes for him. And Paul says in some of his letters, you know, in the at the end, I'm writing this in my own hand so that you know it comes from me. Paul says here in this letter, I'll repay it. I'm writing this in my own hand. In other words, you've got my word on this. You've got my word. And then you've got to love Paul because sometimes he just doesn't know when to quit. I mean, that's a pretty powerful argument. He goes... Now, actually, I could say that you owe me everything. You even owe me your own life, but I'm not going to say it. Don't you love when people do that? I could say this, but I'm not going to. But he did. And then he turns the screw one more time. He even says, oh, and by the way, one more thing. Prepare a room for me when I get out of here. I want to come by and see you and check in on you. And what he's actually saying is, I'm going to come and see if you really did what I asked you to do. I, I want you to get a room ready for me. You see, Paul is writing something much deeper here. Some people wonder, why is this book even in the Bible? It just seems to be a, a problem between two people. What Paul is showing us is this is actually about reconciliation. You know, we, we can talk a lot about our faith. We can talk a lot about our relationship with God. We can talk about how we treat one another. When it comes time to living it out, that's a little more challenging sometime. And Paul's actually living it out. I mean, he recognizes that Jesus did that for us. He Whatever we owed, he paid the price for us. He redeemed us. He gave his word for us. And now that's what we do for one another. That's how we love one another. But reconciliation, it's tough. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. We've studied it often here in this church. And it's the story about the younger son who goes up to his father and says, give me everything that's mine and I'm out of here. And he gets his inheritance and he leaves and he goes and waste it all on riotous living, we're told. And finally he hits rock bottom. He's now feeding the pigs and now he's turned his back on his family. He's turned his back on his faith and... When he hits rock bottom and he's so hungry and he realizes back at my father's house, the people that work for my dad, they have, they have plenty to eat and to spare. I'm just, I want to go home. I know I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. I just want to be a servant. I just, want, I just need to know I've got food and I've got a place to stay. I'll, I'll just be a servant and my father's on home. You remember the story that he's, as he's coming home while he's still far off, the father sees him and runs to him and embraces him. And the son says, but dad, I'm, not, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he was a son. And the father forgave him and embraced him. Bring the robe, bring the ring, kill the fatted calf. We've got to celebrate. My son, he, he was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost. Now he's found. You know what I've learned in that story It's easier for me to be in that story as the prodigal son, the one who's coming home being forgiven by the father. It's harder when we're in the spot of the father and our job is to forgive someone else. I mean, we love when someone runs and embraces us when we've messed up. The challenge is our ability to run and embrace someone else when they've messed up to be able to forgive. You see, Paul really believes what he's been saying. Paul really believes that forgiveness is a reality. He really believes that through Jesus Christ, we begin to look at each other differently. Paul really believes that in Jesus Christ, all those rankings and barriers and differences we've had between us are now removed. When Paul writes his letter to the church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, Paul says, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ, then there's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and chapter 4 verse 6 and says and because you are children god has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father so you are no longer a slave but a child and if a child then also an heir through god Paul actually practices what he preaches. He knows that Onesimus had been a slave and a runaway slave, but he goes, he's now one of us. He's, he's a child of God. He believes in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. He's, he's one of us. And I thank God that you've loved all the saints because here's another one. You get to love him too. Learning to forgive, learning to love, learning to receive, learning to reconcile. It's a challenge. We, we prayed a prayer a moment ago. It's one of the scariest prayers that I pray on a regular basis. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's beautiful. The part that terrifies me a little bit is the part where we say, forgive us as we forgive others. But that's part of our faith. It's part of our story. We're not simply the prodigal who gets to be embraced. We're then to be called to be the people who will embrace someone else who's messed up. What Paul says to Philemon is, I need you to look at him differently. He is loved by God. You know, that's what Jesus does with this cross. He shows us that we are loved by God, but it's not just about us, it's about Everyone, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so Paul then says in a letter, I think, to us, I need you to receive one another as children of God. So then if Paul were to write a letter to us, whose name would he mention? Who is it that we may need to forgive? Because we are forgiven people and now we're called to be a forgiving people. We are a people that have been reconciled with God and now we're called to be reconciled with each other. So who is God calling on us to forgive? As we walk with Jesus once again to this cross and as we are reminded that God loved us enough to forgive... Who are we being called to love enough to forgive them and to receive them? Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful that you are reconciling God. And that even while we were still far off, you ran to us and embraced us offered us forgiveness and reconciliation. You offered us grace. The challenging thing is for us to offer that same kind of love and grace to someone else in your name because we're Christian. So God, help us to learn to see each other differently now, not with the rankings that society sets up, And not with the brokenness of our past, but as new creations. Paul practiced what he preached. Help us to practice what we preach. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.